All right, everybody. How many brought your Bible today? Anybody bring a Bible? All right, if you did, get it out. And let's go over to Colossians chapter 3 this morning. Colossians chapter 3. Hope you come ready for some stuff. Because the Lord gave me some stuff that I believe will be helpful to all of us today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this opportunity once again to read your word, to study your word, to hear from heaven. Lord, we set our hearts to receive in great expectation of what you might say and do in our midst today. Lord, give each one eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive. Thank you for the revelation of truth that makes us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody, uh, here we go. <laughs> We've been in a series called The Priority Principle, and I want to share a little bit more of that with you today. Colossians 3 and verse 1 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so we've been, like I said, talking about this issue and this subject of priorities and uh, this principle plays out in many areas of life the overarching principle of course is that God must be first remember Jesus taught us to seek first the kingdom of God and uh, and these things apply in many various areas of life uh, I was um, well in our service last night these things came to me uh, regarding uh, relationships just at, at, by way of example, sometimes within a, a, a family, you can have relationships out of order, and that throws everything off. Okay, the kingdom of God is about order. It's about one, two, three, four, not just any old order that you want to put things in. So that's where a lot of times people struggle and they trip up, all right? But even in, in a home, in a family relationship... A parent's relationship with their, with their children must be parent-child as first as opposed to friend-friend. Yeah. You know how sometimes you'll hear parents talking about, well, I just want to be friends with my kids. We're buddies. Well, you know, it's okay for a parent to be friends with their children as long as first and foremost they are parents to their children mom and dad because how many know that's a, that's a different kind of relationship all right and just having those switched can cause a lot of problems within the home see God always has a divine order for things I, I know I can remember uh, years ago there was a particular individual in church that I had to move out of a particular position um, for some various reasons and initially thought everything was good but come to find out that they didn't take it so well. And they had said to someone else that related to me, uh, I have ears. <laughs> I've got people all over listening. <laughs> no, but they shared with me about this person. They, they told me, he said, I thought Pastor Mark was my friend. And I immediately realized why it was a problem. You know what my thought was? My first thought was when I heard that, I thought, I thought I was his pastor. 
Now, was I opposed to the friendship title? Absolutely not. I considered him friend. Lots of friends in church. Love that. But there is a primary position that God has, there's a primary relationship that God has called us to, and it's different than friend. All right? And, and that's true in many regards. People sometimes in business, you could have that same scenario play out. If you're an employer and your employee is your buddy, okay, well, sometimes that employer relationship has to supersede the friendship or vice versa. You know what I'm talking about. And, and getting that out of order can cause a lot of headache, a lot of problems in your business. All right, there's just certain decisions that have to be made. And so the kingdom of God works like this with priorities putting some things before other things. And it happens throughout our lives. Uh, I was seeking the Lord, and I actually had a, had a message prepared specifically for today that I had to shelf yesterday afternoon uh, because I really just felt like the Lord was directing me to, to go a different direction. It still fits in with the, the series. Uh, and so I'm going to go a different direction. That other message will fit in another series, actually, later on. <laughs> and so... I got friends that, uh, well, you remember Robert Scales. He gives all his messages different titles, but they're all the same message. (laughs) Anyway, it's not quite like that. (laughs) I do use different scriptures. Uh, (laughs) But real quick today, uh, let let me do a quick kind of review and just mention some things that we've already talked about and then get into this this, uh, main point for now. Uh, We've talked about how in the priority principle, big things come before little things, right? If I, if I emphasize the minor things, the small things in life, I will never get to because I'll run out of time, energy, effort, and money to do the main things in life. And a lot of times this is happening to people. I mean, decades are flying by looking backwards, and they've never gotten to some of the main things, some of the things that they consider the most important in life. All right, watch out that that doesn't happen to you. Get to the big things first, all right? Make the other things less important. We talked about putting God's house before our house. Biblical principle for our lives. God's business comes first. His house is before our house, and that brings his blessing on the rest. Um, We've shared with you about doing all for the glory of God. How in our homes, our work, everything we do should be for God's glory. If I can't say, Lord, I glorify you with this activity, with this action, with what I'm doing, uh, you might want to do a checkup on it and see if it's really the right thing to do and the right way to go. We've talked about identifying the value of various aspects of life. What do you value most? Uh, Priorities are shown through our actions. It's not just a, a heart thing, something that can't be seen or, or realized outwardly. No, if my priorities are right, it is definitely seen by people around me, okay? It is definitely identifiable in my activities, in the things that I give my life to. Um, we've talked about distractions, recognizing and avoiding various distractions. See, this world is set up, There's a we, there really is an enemy, and it's designed to keep our eyes off of those things that are above and get your eyes focused on natural stuff keeping it on natural stuff all the days of your life and that's just temporary I mean it's just short term it's just not a wise long term move to be only focused on things of this earth get your eyes back up get your eyes back up on things that are above and then we've talked about giving a little bit anyway about giving to the Lord's work first and how that brings provision 
And it's the order in which we do things, not just what we do, but the order in which we do it that causes the success of our endeavors. And this is some of what uh, the Lord stirred me about yesterday to talk to you about some more. All right? We want to talk about giving. We want to talk about honoring the Lord. We want to talk about putting the Lord's work first. Uh, this is a vital step. In, in the current state of our economy, uh, a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are hurting. I mean, unemployment numbers are very high, and, uh, and a lot of people have, that are you know, still doing okay, they've had to reduce, they've had to cut back, and there's just a lot of challenges naturally in our world today. But the, my question is, how is God going to get us out? And when I say us, I'm talking us. I'm not talking everybody because I can't control everybody. How's God going to get you out? Whether you're affected a little bit or a lot of bit, how is God going to get you out? Because I see from the Word that that's one of the things He specializes in. I mean, we can, see, we can read stories about how, about how there were famines, yet God got His guy through it. Yet someone believed God, and in the midst of a bad situation and a famine and a drought, they prospered. And if God is able to do that, and he loves me like crazy, and you too, then I know he's got a plan for me. He's got a plan for you. He's not leaving us on the sidelines. Well, you know, well, we're just going to suffer with the world. Ah, nonsense. My God is on the throne, and he's all capable. He's all powerful, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hill underneath the cattle. So uh, uh, he, he can take care of us, right? So my question is, how is he going to get us out of the slump or over the hump and, and, and how to do these things? And I, I know that God's plan is always contingent upon two sides, all right? There's God's side, but some people stop right there. Well, if God, I'm just going to let it put it in God's hand. Uh, well, that, that can be error because if God, if it were all up to God, it'd all be taken care of because he can get her done, right? easy but there's another component to this equation and that's me and that's you and so what the Lord has to be able to do is get us to operate in a way that allows his provision and power to flow through us again it's not him all by himself it's him working in us to get us to act in such a way where there's a release of his provision okay that act is simply called an act of faith. God has always moved so that people would believe what he said and take a step of faith and see his power manifest. Remember Peter was in the storm. Jesus came walking out on the water. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out on, come. It was the Word of God. It was Him taking a step of faith based on what the Lord said that allowed Him to operate in the supernatural. Okay? And that's the same thing that we are looking for today. As individuals and corporately as a church, we're looking for what thus saith the Lord to me. Because when He says something to me, I can write it. I write it like a surfboard. <laughs> I, just, I just go right across and do what's impossible physically. But now God's provision, here it comes. Amen. Old Testament guy, remember the scripture said uh, um, about, was it Isaac? That he, he sowed in the, time of in the tide of famine and reaped a hundredfold. Yeah. Well, you don't do that. You, you don't plant when there's not enough water. 
But when you do it in faith, you'll find that God's supernatural power makes things work. Okay? And so when we talk about this uh, stepping out in faith, that's what God wants us to do. All right? This right now in our church is a time where we're doing a building project. And this is a really good time to do it. This is the best time in the world for us to do this. I want to tell you why. Because naturally speaking, that's not correct. Naturally speaking, you think, well, you don't start receiving special offerings and things for a building project when people are, you know, 10% or more out of work, you know, and people don't have as much disposable income to be able to contribute to a project like that. Why would you do it now? Here's why it's a good time. It's because God, let's say it another way, because we need something of God to take steps of faith with so that we enter into the fullness of God's provision. It's not a passive, I sit back and see if God's going to do something. No, we find something that is of God, ordained of Him, and we make that priority And in doing so, we're allowed to take a step of faith, and that makes everything work. All of a sudden, everything starts flowing when we do that. Everybody with me understand understand this this principle. That's why this is an ideal time. Say, people don't have as much money. That's why we need to do this now. Because God wants to turn that around for you. He wants to turn that around for us. We're going to get to the other side of this thing and say, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Why? Because we're not going to go... We did it. Good job. We're going to say we tapped into something beyond ourselves, beyond what we were capable of doing, and God's provision came through on our behalf. Amen. And so faith always must have action to it. Many times this action is simply saying. It's simply simply verbalizing, and that's something we should all be involved with regularly. How many know a person doesn't get saved simply by believing that Jesus is the Savior? How many know the scripture adds another component to that? It's what you believe in your heart, and it is the confession of your mouth. It is the acknowledgement or the confession of the lordship of Jesus that takes the salvation that God's already provided and making that a reality in our, in our lives and our spirits are born again. And so likewise, um, faith is released through speaking. A lot of times, that's one of the primary methods. We say, bless God, he, His Word is true. His promises are coming to pass in my life. I lay hold of, with my words, the very promises of God. But there are also many other ways to release faith, and that is through activity. It is through actions. Many of you know the book of uh, Hebrews, chapter 11. And that, book, that chapter lists a number of people that we call faith heroes. It's like the Hall of Fame of Faith, okay? And it gives us examples. This person did this by faith, and this person did this by faith, and this person did this by faith. And we've got a big, long list, and it's written for our examples so we'll know what a faith life looks like. And you ever notice those people didn't get in that book just because they said the right thing? This person, I mean, they said it a thousand times, and they made their good confession. No, what they did is they acted. They acted on something. They acted and they did something with what God said and and what that transpired in is the miraculous power and ability of God was released and manifested in their lives. God did amazing things through a person who took what he said and what? Acted on it. 
they took that step of faith and that allowed God to move. Likewise, what does your life look like? Huh? What does your life look like? Does it look like, well, they say the right things, they've sure got the verbiage down, or does our life look like people who act on the Word of God, they do things they cannot do in and of themselves? That would be the, the explanation of the definition of this faith life. Let's go over to the book of Malachi today. That's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3. And so when we talk about this subject, it's not just giving that, uh, that brings increase to a person. It is the release of faith. But when it comes to your financial breakthrough and breaking out of that condition or that slump you've been in, you've been hitting that ceiling over and over, it's not just giving that gets that done, okay? It is giving as an act of faith. It is faith released through our giving on the promptings of the Lord that will cause you to bust through and break out of that situation. Don't get quiet on me now or I'll preach more. The dogs and ponies are coming out shortly. <laughs> Until then, it's just me, okay? Uh, Malachi chapter 3. Let, let's read here. This is Many of you know this passage about tithes and offerings, and, and let's read this today. Uh, Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Isn't that good news? <laughs> you may have changed, but he didn't. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob, Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? That is a very good question right there. In what way shall we return? That seems to imply there are multiple ways to leave God and multiple ways to return to Him. Right? But let's see what the Lord had in mind. The way that they needed to return to God, it said, verse 8, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, uh, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Listen to this. Listen to this. The way they left the Lord was they stopped giving to His work. The way that they were to return to the Lord was that they needed to begin giving to Him tithes and offerings. Now, I, I realize a lot of times we want to separate that out this day, these days and say, well, my relationship with God is one thing. My giving to the Lord is an entirely different thing. Not with the Lord, it's not. Not with the Lord. In fact, some people, they might even be bugged by this, but it's okay if you're bugged by the Bible as long as you give it that authority in your life. Uh, but some people wouldn't want to acknowledge this. But when you stop giving, you're departing from the Lord. I don't mean you lose your salvation if you don't give offerings. But the Lord sees these things as connected. He said, you need to return to me. You guys have left me. How should we get? How do we return? What do you want us to do? Tithes and offerings. And we think, well, you want me to go to church, Lord? more Lord you want me to pray more not that those aren't valid things but listen he said no you need to return to me in this way and look what look look what he went on to say in regards to these things verse 9 you are cursed with a curse 
for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. What is he saying? Can't you guys look around and see how it's not working? Can't you look around you? You know the curse that's in this earth. I mean, this world system is in trouble. This world system is cursed, and you're operating in it by not being involved in tithes and offerings. Everybody see the the benefit of this? How many think it's all about God benefiting? He's telling us how the kingdom of God works. He's letting us in on some divine secrets so we can understand the ways that he can bring his full blessing into people's lives. Okay? Again, he said, you're cursed with a curse. He's not saying, you lousy good for nothing. I'm just going to pop, pop, curse you. Is that what he did? No. That's not the way he approached this thing. He said, he said you are. You're already operating in this. You're already dealing with this curse, but I want to bring you out of it. Verse 10, and he tells them, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Food in whose house? Who's my there? That's the Lord. He said, you make sure my house is full, and I'm going to make sure your house is full. He said, bring all the tithes into my house and try me now on this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for who? For you. I'll open for you if you bring it into my house, the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Anybody been devoured? This is what the Lord said. That devourer gets rebuked. For your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. You kind of, of course, you modernize that unless you are a, you know, farmer. Uh, verse, it says the Lord of hosts, verse 12, and all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And so he's instructing and telling them how they can get out of the current predicament that they were in. He said, you're missing it in tithes and offerings. You've left me. But he didn't say anything about their prayer life. He didn't say anything about other areas. He said, you've left me in this area. And because you've left me in this area, you must return to me in this area. And if you'll return to me in this area, I'm going to make everything work for you. I'm going to open up my window. (laughs) I'm going to open up my window and start pouring out on you. And you're not even going to have enough room for it. All right. I I, I wouldn't dare make such a promise like that if I didn't see it in the Word of God. But I'm going to have to go with it. All right. Now, let me encourage you now, just real practical. If you are not a tither, not, a, not an occasional tither, but if you're not a tither, that's a 10%, I would encourage you, according to the Word of God, to start today. All right. Especially if you're low on finances. So I don't know if I can do that. I don't think I have enough money to do that. Well, you can keep on as you are. And don't, I mean this with all compassion. And if you know me, you know my motive. All right? If you don't know my motive, you don't come here very much. All right? And you're welcome to keep coming. But I realize that some may question in the world because there's a lot of untrustworthy people out there. But if you're not, I would encourage you to begin right away. I don't encourage to start with 2%, move up to 4%, 6%. And, and the reason for that is, even though that makes sense on a calculated basis with numbers, is you don't have a Bible verse that says that. Therefore, you can't be saying, Lord, I'm doing this in faith based on what you say. Okay, it is a leap of faith for some. 
For some, it's a bigger leap of faith than others. But for all, it's a big deal because we work. <laughs> you know, we got stuff to spend on. But we're saying, Lord, I'm putting this into your hands so that your blessing can flow in my life. And so I'd encourage you, if you're in that category of being a non-tither, I would encourage you to start, all right, based on the Word of God. Now, if you are a tither, that isn't, that's not an occasional, but you're a, you, you honor the Lord with your tithe uh, always, then I would encourage you to analyze and, and do a checkup on how you tithe. That it's not just an exterior, an external uh, thing that you do. It's not just a matter of numbers and credit and debit. But it literally comes out of a heart of worship. Make sure you're not paying God off. <laughs> paying off, you know, to keep the curse off of you. <laughs> not nothing like that. Make sure that you are doing it out of worship to Him. Yes, you are yes. honoring Him with your tithe. See, it's not only what we do, it's how we do it. And so do a self-check. How am I bringing my tithe to the Lord? And then third, notice the, the thing that, that, was, that they left the Lord in. It was tithes and offerings. Now here's, here's, here's where we get ready for a, a good step of faith. This is where we have to get direction from the Lord, and He'll talk to you because He wants you above and not beneath he wants you out not in <laughs> he wants you to excel and to have more than enough so we seek the Lord and we find out what he would have us to do say Lord give me a number or give me a percentage give me something that bugs me <laughs> give me something that makes my flesh crawl but when I get that from you I'm going to take a step of faith and step out into the supernatural provision of God. And in doing that, we are returning to the Lord in a special way, aren't we? We're literally returning to Him. And He said, if you'll return to me in that way, your prayer life might be good. Hope it is. You know, you might be very consistent and faithful in other areas. If you return to the Lord in that way, that's when He says, I'm about to pour out on you, man. I'm about to let it flow. It's about to come out on you in abundance. It's not just what we do. It's how we do it. But I'm looking for that. And that's not something that you just do, you know, off the cuff. If you're married, you pray, and you, you're looking for direction, and you get something, you talk to your spouse and say, what are you getting? It seems like the Lord wants us to give X number towards His work, towards His kingdom. Are you getting that same thing? You get an agreement. And there's power in that. Because it's not just copying somebody else or being moved by emotion. It's being moved by His Spirit. And you take a step of faith and you ride that word come right out on the water. And God holds you up. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Amen. Let's go over to Matthew. Or, yeah, no, Luke. They're friends. Luke. Now, uh, someone might have this thought, Luke chapter 19, if I haven't told you yet. Someone might have this thought, Pastor, you're just talking about this because of the building project, right? 
because, you know, we're wanting to get money in to pay for the new buildings and uh, to reach, reach more people. And the answer to that is no, because um, like I said, I already had another message. I wasn't even planning on including this in this series. Uh, and so I wasn't even planning on doing this, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to do this now, okay? So the answer is no, but if it were, there wouldn't be anything wrong with that because this is the Lord's work. I don't have any problem saying, hey, we're ready to do some serious damage to the kingdom of darkness in the Treasure Valley, and, uh, and, we, need, and we need everybody to be on board. Okay, nothing wrong with that at all, because I'm not asking for you anything personally, you know, not personally benefiting from anything like that, uh, but it's about God's kingdom. However, just to be upfront with you, the reason is, again, of course, I was stirred to go this direction. If, if I was planning it, I'd make it a 10-week series. LAUGHTER <laughs> uh, but for now, it might, it's, might just be this week. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Luke chapter 19. Let's read verse 1. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Uh, now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not uh, because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Everybody say, Jesus. Amen. Have mercy. On short people. <laughs> well, Jesus loves short people. We can see that. All right. Verse 4, so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully, but then... Uh, but when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Is that good? Look what you, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now let's take a look. Did what Zacchaeus commit to do, commit to doing in giving half of his goods to the poor and restoring fourfold those whom he ripped off, did that earn him salvation? No, no. Because how many understand? that uh, nothing we do earns salvation. There is nothing, you, you cannot be good enough to earn salvation from God. And Jesus mentioned that it was also the fact that he was in covenant with God, right? He was a descendant of Abraham, all right? But what in the world does his giving have to do with this? I find that's interesting that that's included. That Jesus didn't say, you know what, Zacchaeus? You're related to Abraham, right? You're in the covenant. You're good. You're saved. Salvation is here. It was his giving as really a response. It was an act of faith that brought salvation to his house. Someone said, you can't give your way into the kingdom. He did. Now, again, you have to understand what we're saying. We're not saying he bought his salvation. You can't do that. But it was the act of faith 
which happened to be him giving, that was noted particularly in Jesus' response saying, Today salvation came to you. God's saving power and delivering mercy came to your house on the heels of you saying, I'm willing to give up half my stuff. See, that's in there for a reason. We cannot separate an act of faith that involves our giving from God's power being released. Let's look over at uh, Acts 10. While you're going there, remember this one. Uh, Acts chapter 19. You might recall the story uh, there of some people getting saved. The Bible says that they came confessing and telling their deeds. And a bunch of them there were into some magic. And they were into uh, some demonic stuff and uh, witchcraft type stuff. And it... The scripture says that they brought their books, obviously, that they used in that endeavor. And they had a big fire. They had a big bonfire with all their stuff. And it mentions how much uh, they were worth, the value of all their books and, and, and stuff. And it was extensive, otherwise it wouldn't mention that. But that's interesting. They got saved and immediately did something That showed that God moved on their heart to the degree, not where they just said, okay, I accept the Lord. They came, they, God moved on their heart, and there was an action following their acceptance of the Lord. They said, this is what we used to do. We're done with that. And they had a fire, and it cost them something. I mean, someone might think, well, you know, I mean, people are still going to do that. I might as well sell it. They didn't take that approach. They said, this was wrong. This was my old life. I am not that way anymore. I'm leaving that. Burn the stuff. It doesn't matter if I lose something in this, re- in this natural life. I just gained everything. And see, what we're talking about is steps of faith. It's, a, it's, it's about God moving on our heart to such a degree where there's activity that follows. I just, you know, more than I, now I got the T-shirt. Now I'm a Christian. Now I got the membership card. But there's literal change in a person's life. One of those activities is going to be, because it's the very nature of God, it's going to be giving. And that is a key component, that release of faith in giving, key component to bringing salvation to someone. Now what we're talking about, many of us are already saved. But people need saved from financial despair. They need saved from unemployment. They need saved from the current famine that's happening in the land. And what are we talking about? Being so full that it spills out in activity, in steps of faith that the average Joe would never get involved with. Luke 19, let's finish up over here. Uh, Excuse me, Acts 10. Acts 10, uh, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms, alms is giving, have come up for a memorial before God. I want you to notice what, what took place here. Cornelius is not saved. He's a devout person. He has a good heart, but he's not saved. 
He doesn't know about Jesus. He doesn't know about the way of salvation. But what was he doing? He kept praying and he kept giving. Kept praying and kept giving until God sent an angel. I don't think he knew that that was going to happen. But what he did, the activity of his life of prayer and giving, God took notice of. That's interesting. That giving, again, is connected to God moving in a person's life. He sends him an angel. And, of course, you read the rest of the story. The angel got him connected with Peter. Peter preached the gospel to him. He was born again, filled with the Spirit. And, and, and off we go. We'll see this guy in heaven someday. Okay? But what started it? It's interesting. I just, you know, he gave and got God's attention. His giving allowed the provision of God, in his case, a supernatural encounter with an angel and salvation to come into his house. And in what way does that influence our own lives? We could take some time. We could take some weeks. But understand this. The Lord wants you to break out and break through anything that would keep you down. He is the God who is more than enough, the one who supplies our needs. And if these things are not being uh, activated in our lives, we're not seeing the fulfillment of it. We ought to be saying, Lord, okay, what needs to happen here? What needs to happen? And it's, again, not only what we do, but how we do it. And it's, it's taking time to get the direction of the Lord so we can take a step of faith. We step out on it and seek God. Real specifically, now, seek God as to what He wants you to give. Yeah, I know this is not real popular in some circles, and people don't like to talk about money in church because they think that's how you shrink your church. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, whatever. I want to give you the full counsel of God's Word. I want, to I want to tell you straight from the Word of God that you're not walking closely with Him with leaving that part out of your life. I want to tell you, in God's perfect plan and will, you are excelling in every area of life, and that includes your, fi that includes, includes your finances. He wants to take you up. He wants to move you to a higher place. And so what are we doing? Sitting back and waiting? No. It's called, I'm saying, Lord, what, do you, what, what part do I have in this? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? And sometimes if he gives you something and it seems too much, start laughing. Start saying, oh, thank you, Lord. I mean, if it's of God, you're, you're going, man. You've just broken free from something. Your flesh will fight you. Amen. Your accountant will fight you. <laughs> Spouses, don't do it without the other. Involve each other, like I said earlier. You get in and in on these things together, and then you sit back and expect. <laughs> and you expect to see the supernatural. All of a sudden, those doors will start opening. And I see this happening. All of a sudden, that door starts. How did you get that? Man, how did you get that? How did that happen for you? All of a sudden, you get that sale when no one else could get it. All of a sudden, you have this opportunity when no one else could. What's going on here? The window opened. God's pouring out His blessing on us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I believe He's at work in our hearts to, to bring us up and bring us out. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful today for what you're doing, for what you've started what you've begun in us. Lord, you've moved upon our hearts to such a degree that our lives are changed. Lord, that we'll never be the same again. And we thank you for this. We thank you for this. We thank you that as you lead us and as you guide us, we're not people that are passive, sitting back and waiting for you to do everything. Lord, we're stepping out. We're stepping out into a brand new place, stepping out into the fullness of your grace, where your provision and power flow, where the fullness of your blessing is shown 
in each of our lives. We come back to you and give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the thanks for all you're doing in our lives today. Lord, we honor and bless you today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, God is good. God is good.